welcome back to the First Touch Podcast. I am Tyler Brook, joined alongside Nate Canan. Uh, Nate, how are you doing, man? Hey, how's it going? Are you uh, enjoying your time back in Chicago? Baby, won't you call my home? Sweet town, Chicago. Isn't that how the uh, the Cubs song goes? I guess, you know, we, we have been talking a little bit about before music in other sports, and I didn't even think about that Cubs song. Are you talking about Go Cubs Go? Yeah, Go Cubs Go. We got the power, we got the speed. Very best in the National League. Yeah, that's a good song. And there's very few of them like that. Yeah, I definitely don't know any about any other baseball team. I don't know that there's a Go Sox Go song or anything <laughs> like that. But uh, are you happy to be back in Chicago? Yeah, man, it's good to be back. It's actually kind of nice being able to record face-to-face again. I think that, at least with the prep work, you know, putting into these definitely made it easier as well. But we got a great show today. Uh, I think we're kind of all over the place, but in a good way. You know, we got a lot to talk about, especially with all these leagues wrapping up. We've got to talk about, you know, a pretty prestigious old team, Leeds United, getting promoted into the Premier League. Uh, we have a new favorite player, I think, in the Championship League. Oh, I, I will watch bottom tier soccer. Well, I guess you could call it it's just second tier. Yeah. Second tier, not bottom tier. That's an insult. And I will now watch second tier soccer like I've never had before just because of this one player. And I, I am so excited to hear it. Why don't, why don't I just tease a little clip of what's about to come up here later in the episode? You were very transparent, very honest at what happened without going into all the details of that. Do you feel vindicated tonight with no, this? You know what? There's a time for me to speak upon that, and I will speak on it. Today is about, listen, for me, life and football is all about opinions. Four years ago, somebody gave an opinion on me, and that was their opinion. And I hope my story shows that the only opinion that matters is the opinion you have about yourself. And I was lucky and blessed to find a manager and players who believed in me. So we are here today, and I'll say it for the people in the back. Wickham's in the championship. Wait, wait, I'll say it one more time. Wickham's in the championship. Wait! People in the back didn't hear me. Wickham is in the championship. And can I ask you one thing? Go on. Are we both still going to be employed in a couple of years' time? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to go rest and sleep for four weeks. Hey, listen, thank you, blessings. Yes, that is, as you might already know, Adibayo Akinfiwa. From the Wickham Wanderers, who just got promoted into the second league of English football, which is the Championship League. I'm just so excited to see that energy, you know? (laughs) I have no idea how he's going to perform on the field, but we'll talk a little bit about that later. And we will try our best to somehow get this man on the show. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Like I said, a lot of the leagues are wrapping up now. Uh, It's getting pretty excited. A couple, you know, Champions League, Europa League spots on the table for a few teams. I wanted to start this week talking about Lionel Messi. For a a podcast that talks a lot about soccer, not someone we've talked about too much lately. Yeah, obviously Messi is one of the greatest players in the entire world. We've been talking a lot about, uh, in terms of like some of the best players, we mentioned Cristiano Ronaldo a lot on this podcast. We don't give Messi as much love, and that's not intentional. I'll show my fandom there. I'm more of a Messi fan over Ronaldo, and that's a controversy for a lot of people, but I I do enjoy Messi. He's breaking records at the age of 33, but his team just isn't uh, being successful at getting that top spot in the Spanish league. Why do you think that is? I'm not entirely sure. It just seems like when they're on the precipice of doing something great, they fall apart. The record Nate is referring to 
Messi did break the La Liga assist record this year. 24 assists in one season. And it was coming down to the wire. He did that on the final game of La Liga. La Liga wrapped up this weekend on Sunday. And that was the last match day for the entire league, which they ended up winning five to nothing. And, you know, Messi breaking the the assist record during that game. It's crazy. Someone we just think of is so talented all across the board. This year has been especially helpful for him because he's had so much support up front. I mean, you look at Luis Suarez, you look at Griezmann, look at Dembele. It is frustrating, though. How do you have a team with so many elite level players and not win the league? Yeah, you got to give credit, though, to Real Madrid. Even without Cristiano Ronaldo there for the last two seasons, they're still a team that is a force to be reckoned with. It's no disrespect to Messi or that Barcelona side. It's just that Real is still just a great team. They have so many solid players, especially for the age range of the players that are in. When we look at Sergio Ramos, when we look at uh, Luka Modric, and they're well into their 30s, and also well into being experienced veterans within their careers. And they know how to play with each other. It's it's absolutely worth mentioning uh, Zidane. Yeah, Zidane Zidane. Uh, you shared this stat with me, and this blew my mind. In 209 games as Real's manager, he has 11 trophies, which when you break that down, that's a trophy every 19 games. Just imagine that, like, just a trophy, here's a trophy, here's a trophy. It kind of feels like uh, I know you're not the biggest NFL fan, but Bill Belichick, every year they get the trophy for the AFC Championship to go to the Super Bowl. He just kind of looks at it like, I don't want this shit, and just like kind of passes it away. When you're winning that many trophies, do you think some of them just don't have the significance as others? I don't know. I, I think that's another reason why I'm more drawn to a sport like football, soccer, not American football, because to me that makes sense. I, I do respect the Belichicks. I, I understand – I understand that analogy as as much as I don't really follow the NFL. I do know who Bill Belichick is. I do understand the dynasty that the New England Patriots have in that sport. But I I get it because your main prize is obviously the Vince Lombardi trophy, right? That's what every person wants at the end of the season. It doesn't matter if you get that conference championship. It really doesn't. If you end up getting that championship and then you end up losing in the Super Bowl, it, it probably doesn't feel great. However, with this, when you get a trophy every 19 games, I bet that feeling is still amazing it, because if you're winning the Champions League, which the, which he has, if you're winning La Liga, which he has, any other trophy along the way is like, you want to collect as much silverware as possible. It's it's more so, I would say in soccer, is that every trophy matters. I feel like I can speak more passionately to this, like especially being a Tottenham fan, whereas we haven't had a, a solid trophy yeah, since the fair. 80s. Yeah. I mean, we, we have the, what what is it? The Audi or the Guinness International Cup where they come to the United States and play those. But like, that's that's just a throwaway league. Like no <laughs> nobody counts that. So I think that those trophies still matter. I think every single one of those trophies, those 11 trophies, it is a, an amazing accomplishment. And if I was a real Madrid fan, if I was just a Zidane fan, it, it's something worth bragging about, honestly. I, I think it's, it's that's what makes it so different than like the NFL. That's even what makes it different than the NHL too. Just like how you said, like you win that conference championship, you move on to the prize. Stanley Cup, I, I think it's a little similar too, but I do think there's a little bit more superstitions if we want to talk about that. Because when you get those like, Norris trophies and like the conference trophies. It's like, do you touch it? Do you not touch it? So there is a little bit more of a symbolism, I think, around winning conferences in, in, in different American or we could say, you know, North American sports. 
but every single one of the trophies that you win in soccer, I think absolutely matters. Yeah, I think early on in my fandom, I think that's something I struggled with is I couldn't keep up with all the different tournaments. So I would just imagine like, we want an arbitrary trophy. But I think now as I've gotten more into it, I started to appreciate the significance of them. I think that's an important thing to bring up here. And especially as our podcast is like, you know, we're trying to branch out to more of an American audience. And again, like, Thanks so much to all the love the uh, FTFC fans out there are giving us right now. I know like some of our recent posts are really blowing up. You guys really hate VAR. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, we obviously have our own opinion about it too. And again, like thanks again for spreading all the love. Love all the new FTFC members that uh, are out there right now. And to those new FTFC members who aren't necessarily as involved or invested in soccer as we are, but they kind of want to, we're going to talk about some potential good starting points here later this episode about, you know, maybe a team you want to start following next season. But uh, to Tyler's point about how there's all these different trophies, different leagues, different competitions, it is, it is a bit to follow. I mean, we have the FA Cup, which we watched some of the games this weekend between Arsenal and Chelsea is going to be the FA Cup final. So there's not only the leagues, there's the tournaments, there's the Champions League. And we'll do more of a deep dive breakdown probably once the uh, all the seasons kind of wrap up. Like once I know that we're done with the Liga now, Bundesliga is done, Premier League has one match week left after this one. Um, but yeah, there, there's quite a few different things to follow and it can be confusing and intimidating on the outside looking in. But rest assured, just kind of dive head first in, try to find a team that you want to follow. And slowly you'll start to find out like how these leagues work, what these different tournaments means, the significance around those. And yeah, they're not all weighed the same, but at the end of the day, like you still have a goal in mind, and that is to collect as many trophies and silverware as possible because that's honored to the club and the crest that you play for and the team that you support. We'll get into a team I think some American fans should try and follow in the Premier League in a little bit, but I do want to talk about Trash of the Week before we get into any of that, a team that you probably shouldn't try and follow next year. Uh, no disrespect to Norwich fans. But <laughs> Unless I, you I, want to continue the heartbreak and the frustration. I didn't want to nominate them as trash of the week because they're in last place. They're officially relegated. They're going to finish the season with the lowest point total in club history. Yeah. Once you're at the bottom of the table, calling out further disappointments is just like adding insult to injury, I feel. but I think we had to do this. We, we have to say that this is utter trash. And t- t- Tell us why, Tyler. What happened in the last Norwich game this week? So on Saturday against Burnley, side note, told you to bet the under on that. We did it. We got the first bet of the weekend. Applause around, everybody. FTFC fans are going crazy with their new wealth if they took your bet. Like $10. I hope you're only betting $10. Uh, anyway, Saturday against Burnley, uh, in the first half, just before the end of the first half, Norwich received not one, but two red cards within 10 minutes of each other at the end of the first half to be down to nine men and then proceeded to give up a goal at the end of the first half and then give up an own goal in the second half to lose 2 nothing. Yes, again, that is utter trash. Two red cards in the first half means you don't have two guys on the field for the rest of the entire game. You're playing 9 on 11 the rest of the ma- The entire second half, they played 9 on 11. And I'm honestly surprised they didn't give up more goals. The only goal they gave up in the second half was an own goal. Yeah, I guess credit to them for not getting totally blown out. But at the same time, man, just like we, I've watched a lot of Norwich games with Project Restart, and that's just a team that looks defeated. You don't really have much to play for once you get relegated. And 
I'm a huge fan of the relegation system. I think it's a it's a great way to, you know, keep your bearings to continue to always be competitive. Whatever league it is, relegation, I'm I'm fully supported supported for because again, if this was in the United States, we would not see the Cleveland Browns anymore. What infuriates me is we incentivize losing in American professional sports. You tank intentionally for draft picks. The Philadelphia 76ers in basketball openly told people we're going to tank. They admitted it and it ended up working out in the long run, but it's just how as a fan can you be like, yeah, let's lose so that we can get better. I don't think I just, the idea of promotion and relegation makes so much more sense to me. I can't stand the idea of incentivizing losing. Yeah. I mean, that's the huge difference there. It's that if you lose and if you're just doing really bad, you can potentially walk away a huge winner. And we see it time and time again with all different sports leagues around the uh, North American uh, sports structure. And I, I get it. It makes sense. Like, you know, you want these leagues to stay exciting and competitive. And I get the way that these kind of dynasties or at least fandoms, I wouldn't say dynasties because you're losing a lot, but I guess a way for these fans to continue to stay engaged is that, oh, here's an exciting player that we can get. Here's a young person. Here's something. Here's someone that can potentially re- rejuvenate and revitalize this institution that we've created. And like again, like I just talked about Cleveland, but I, I can scapegoat them because how many times and times again do you hear like them continuing to be excited about something that happens that doesn't really pan out? Oh, we got that new quarterback for the 25th time. You know, that's that one's gonna stick. But but then again, like if you just end up tanking in in these European soccer leagues, you get kicked out. You get kicked down to the next league. It'd be like, you know, think of those like farm teams you have or like maybe wherever you're listening right now, you have like a minor league baseball team. So then that team that you're supporting, like, oh, we got the new quarterback. Well, if that guy doesn't pan out, you'll be watching them in in that minor league league the next year. I know you're kind of a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Just imagine the Pirates going down to triple (laughs) A. I wouldn't be nearly as devastated as my dad would be, but I I promise (laughs) you he would still be watching all those games. I think the beauty of relegation promotion is the celebrations on getting promoted. And again, we're going to talk about the Wickham Wanderers later, but the really cool one is now that Leeds United for the first time in 16 years is coming back to the Premier League. I'm so excited to see this team back in the Premier League. Um, I, I wasn't really following as heavily back the last time that they were around. Um, for those... Uh, Arsenal fans out there. <laughs> um, that The last time they were in the Premier League was during Arsenal's undefeated season. And that's the first and last time that's ever happened in the Premier League. The invincible champions, we like to call them. Uh, the other things that were happening around that time, Jose Mourinho won the Champions League with Porto, and Lionel Messi was actually just starting his senior career for Barcelona, just to put things in perspective. How many years ago was this at this point? It was 2004 was the last time they were in the Premier League, so 16 years. I think something, again, a, a casual American fan probably doesn't know much about Leeds United. I just think to provide context, we just got to understand how big of a sports city Leeds is. This is more than just a soccer town. It is a big rugby and cricket city, so they really enjoy all their sports there. The county really likes to brag about how athletic they are. Something I found utterly fascinating in the 2012 Olympics, if Yorkshire County was a country, this is where Leeds is located, that county would have finished 12th on the Olympic medal table. Wild. That's how many elite athletes that they produce. All the credit in the world to Leeds. I think it's very exciting. One thing I wanted to bring up, and I think this is something we wanted to dive into, and a reason we think you know our listeners should try and start to support Leeds, 
they do actually have some American ownership there. 10% of the team is actually owned by the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. And again, being a American soccer podcast, want to be able to find different ways for Americans to get some kind of investment or some kind of excited around um, European sports. And Leeds is a prime example of taking American enterprise and business and investing into this as an opportunity and ultimately seeing what happens and seeing if it can pan out. We did some research and we found a of a track record of a couple of, of these Premier League teams or these European teams that have some sort of ownership with business entrepreneurs in America. Yeah, I think what was really interesting, you know, we found some French and Italian teams that have American owners. But the vast majority found, especially with major stakes or full stakes in teams, was you know NFL owners, English Premier League teams having not just even minor stake, but some had full 100% ownership by American owners. I just have to imagine that's completely intentional with the ways that there's been NFL and uh, Premier League soccer cross promotions within the past. How, how many years has it been? I would say maybe about three to four seasons they've been doing these uh, games abroad in the NFL actually been happening since i believe 2007 was the first one in london it's been a while really surprised to hear that i didn't realize it was that long i thought it was relatively a new thing i mean maybe that's just my own hindsight because again no surprise here i'm not following the nfl as heavily but i think i've started to notice more so on like you know the soccer side of things within the past couple years so 2007 was the first time they did this yeah uh even for me it seems like it it seems like it was not that long ago to be completely honest but they started doing them in 2007 slowly ramping it up I want to say they had like three or four games in London last year. And that's something they really plan on. And to your point, one of the big reasons they've been doing this cross promotion is, you know, this ownership stake from NFL owners in English teams. I mean, we've got plenty of examples here. Arsenal is 100% owned by Stan Kroenke, who is the owner of the Los Angeles Rams. Fenway Sports Group, Red Sox ownership, owns Liverpool. Uh, Man United is owned by the same ownership as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not surprised about the Man United one. That one seems more obvious to me just because I remember um, whenever that ownership change happened, there was a bit of a um, a bit, bit of stir of the pot would be a good way to say it because like there was a Chevrolet logo on the Man United jerseys yeah. and everyone was really pissed about <laughs> that. I didn't even think about that either, especially just, yeah, an American car company you know, being displayed on an English premier team. Obviously, a couple others that have minority stakes, you know, Aston Villa, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, West Ham. The one that's really intriguing to me, and I think this can get deeper into our connections with the NFL and England, uh, Shad Khan owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's also the owner of Fulham. And one of the reasons I bring this up is that Shad Khan and the Jaguars have been in a lot of rumors about moving that entire franchise to London. Do you think that's remotely plausible at all? Like play that scenario out. Do you like one, do you think it would happen? And two, if it does, how would that even like what would that even look like? The NFL has been on record, including the commissioner Roger Goodell, about having a team in London by twenty twenty one. They don't have any formal that's structure next year. on a firm deadline. And I imagine that would get pushed back with everything else going on right now. I think it's possible. I don't think it's probable. Obviously, I think the biggest issue with it is the logistics of everything and travel. The logistics just sound terrible. Like those players would be the most exhausted, jet-lagged people on the face of the earth. This is why I've always liked the idea of the NFL having more bye weeks or weeks off. Because I think if you have a game in England and you have to go travel there, you would have to be given the next week off. I just think 
for practical purposes, I don't know how you could do it with just one bye week. I just think it's too difficult. I think it's even harder on the home team. Or like, let's say the Jaguars did move to London. Would you then have to block off like stretches? Maybe you have the first half of the season in London and then do like a road trip the second half or do you do it in like four game block? So let's talk more about these actual games. We, we talk all the time about how one of the things that we love about European soccer is the act of getting up at the ass crack of dawn to watch a soccer game. What time are these NFL games happening? Are they also happening at like the ass crack of dawn? Because I'll be honest, I'm not watching these games. People try to make me watch football, American football, and I'm still not as interested in it. This is a sidebar. But I'm just wondering, and we're talking about the logistics of this happening. Again, these players being jet lagged, I, I don't know how they can realistically do it. Like, are they doing it in like the morning time in England? Or are they actually still having these evening games? Whereas, you know, I, I just don't think that the the American football fan is going to get up at nine o'clock in the morning and watch the Jacksonville Jaguars play the Texas Texans. It's the Houston Texans, but it's fine. You don't know football. <laughs> but no, I. If you've watched these games before, when they do do them in London, they do them London time when it's appropriate. So they do them at the ass crack of Don R time. I'm always interested in the American football fandom over the, you know, across the pond. Um, I've been very curious about that. Yeah. I'm curious about the American fandom in Europe as well. I am curious to know about since they, I'm surprised again, since 2007, this is happening, but what is the demographics of this breaking down in terms like the fandom? Do we know how many... Americans are coming to these games versus Europeans because honestly, one of the things that I'm thinking about is like, oh, um, say the Steelers are going to go play in London this year against, uh, I don't know, the Saints. And then I can make it a, a, a Europe trip to go see the Saints play the Steelers in London and then I can have like a little vacation. So I, I can imagine that that being like a, a vacation package for some people, but are are like is the interest coming more so from Americans or like are are people in Europe really getting behind American football and actually turning out to these games? I've got some good numbers for you. Uh, again, since two thousand seven, no game has had fewer than sixty thousand fans in attendance. The highest attendance of the game, uh, twenty eighteen, we had over eighty five thousand fans watching the Eagles and Jaguars. Again, the Jaguars go over there a lot because of Shad Khan's relationship, and again, it seems like something ties into those rumors that they might move the team. For your demographic data you're requesting, I think this will surprise you. Only 3% of the tickets sold are actually to American fans. Wow, yeah. I, I'm really surprised to hear that. 22% are from London and 60% are elsewhere from Britain. The 60% number is impressive. People are coming from out of town into London to see an American football game. Yeah, that, that really surprises me too. It's so how I was saying, like, maybe it's like a vacation thing, you know, maybe you get the people out in the uh, English countryside coming into the city for these games. And that's really interesting too. Just the same way as, you know, where we have this podcast here and we often talk about, like, hey, like, how do you pick your European team? How do you get in touch with a, a sport that you're not really connected with? Like, on our first episode with Will, we talked about like, hey, like you, you can you know find some history and try to detach yourself to that, and you get the luxury of really like picking what team rather than just being born there. This probably gives Europeans an opportunity to have that a little bit differently because I think that like they they have a lot more passionate like local allegiances. So I guess I can understand like you know the people out side of those major cities coming in and, and trying to find something to enjoy outside of that. Again, I'm surprised by 3% of Americans only showing up and having a lot of people outside of these major cities coming in. 
I think for all the faults of the NFL and ownership, and we know we can talk for out for hours, at least I can personally about what's going on um, with ownership right now. I think one of the things they do well is bringing games to London and trying to increase that international exposure. And that's one thing I would love to see because these teams have American ownership, them try and bring more matches and games uh, here domestically. Uh, I think it's, it'd be nice if we could have some games with some real stakes in the United States for soccer, because you know what we do get are those friendlies. Like I got to go a year ago, I think today, actually at the time of recording, I got to see Liverpool play Dortmund in uh, South Bend. Yeah. And the, those games just really don't mean anything. Yeah. I, I just made the joke about, you know, Tottenham winning the international cup that year, <laughs> having Musa Sissoko hold up that trophy. <laughs> it yeah. was quite a sight to see, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just really interesting. Like, I just don't really see that happening. Like, I just don't see there ever being a premier league game in soldier field. I don't really see there being a Bundesliga game in Miami, unless like David Beckham can really pull some strings or something. <laughs> it's also worth talking about Tottenham stadium right now, I think in this conversation yeah. as well. And that's just not because I'm a Tottenham fan. Even if I wasn't, that is the most expensive stadium that has ever been created. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely it, gorgeous. I love seeing it every single time because it is beautiful. It's a billion plus dollar stadium. And one thing, I, I, whenever we were talking about this before, I, I didn't realize you didn't know this, but the actual pitch is retractable. Yeah. So meaning whenever you look at a, a match happening uh, on this field, it is actually not the bottom of this stadium. So where they play soccer, they can actually flip a switch somewhere, move some things, then eventually the floor of the stadium will slide out and be replaced by an American football pitch below that, an American football field. This is such an insanely expensive stadium. If they did not see a huge future in the NFL, specifically in London, or just the American football in general, be if it's like an off-spin of an English-American football league, or if it is an extension of the NFL, I don't understand why they would invest the thousands, if not millions, into that particular feature of the stadium it is amazing just it goes to show you just there is a market for american football in england and as we're seeing here there's starting to become more and more of a market for soccer or football in the united states if you really think about it this relationship has gone back you know a couple decades with the nfl's old developmental league the nfl europa league uh, with uh you know young players going out there to be developed so I didn't even know this was a thing. It's it's weird. Uh, it it went away in I believe two thousand six, two thousand seven. Uh, it wasn't that big of a deal, uh, but it was a way for younger players to hone their craft. One of the really interesting things about the NFL Europa League. These names might not mean anything to you, Nate, but I think with our listeners, uh, Kurt Warner represented Amsterdam. Brad Johnson represented London, and Barcelona was represented by John Kitna. Those are three prominent quarterbacks, including a Hall of Famer, that came out of the NFL Europa League. It's just, it's not something that we really think about, but there was a market there. And we've seen this relationship since the Europe League, you know, kind of dissolved that we've been trying to have more games there. The fact that Tottenham Stadium is building a place that's feasible to run NFL games, the market is there. So, so you're saying like Kurt was European and came out of these training facilities? I, I'm trying to understand oh, exactly what American. Was Kurt Warner was born in America, born in Iowa. He previously also played in the Arena Football League but then made his way to the Europe League to you know, develop his game and then eventually became yeah, a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, 
um, that led the Arizona Cardinals to a Super Bowl, like, and the St. Louis Rams to a Super Bowl. Like, he was a legitimate force. That that's very interesting to me because I, I guess like I was just trying to understand how that was working. Like, be it if it was like a developmental program, such as what soccer will do often is you know find these very very young kids, take them into their developmental programs, and eventually like help them develop and grow so they can once they become of age in terms of skill that they can start like putting them out into the professional games so i was just like are they like just going to see like who is a prominent like young 12 13 year old i guess i just i just don't see it you gotta think it's impossible in europe to try and convince a kid to play american yeah there's there's no incentive for anyone to like i just don't see an incentive for a a young english kid or a young kid grown up in italy or germany or any of these places in, in europe that we can see this at like oh like you know i want to be the uh a quarterback one day for x y and z team in the united states i just don't see it. like everyone's going to be like i'm either playing cricket soccer rugby i just wish they had somehow found a way to develop triore as a linebacker in NFL. yeah yeah he probably would be Honestly, Same with Verge. I think Virgil Van Dyke could probably be. Oh, Virgil could be a tight end. That dude is built. He's got leaping ability. Sometimes I watch these soccer players, and you know my background. I spent eight years covering the NFL and college players going pro. I look at Virgil Van Dyke, and I went, "That guy could play." You throw a ball. You throw a fade in the end zone at Virgil Van Dyke. He's going to come up with it. I sometimes I get in that mindset. Honestly, though, just any opportunity to talk about the NFL and American football on a podcast about soccer, you know, I will. I will fully take advantage of that, even if Nate has no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, I I joke a lot. I probably know more about the NFL and football than what I lead on. It's just, I don't know, it's just not how I like to spend my Sundays. That's not the preferred sport I like to watch, but I'm sure some of our listeners, you know, you're trying to get a little bit more comfortable in the headspace of like, and just opening up your mindset to European soccer. And you know, that's the whole point here is trying to bridge the gap a little bit. And I think by talking a bit about how there is American ownership in the NFL and just in other segments of American entrepreneurship and how they have invested into European soccer that shows that they do see a potential future for this sport, not just for the Europeans, but also for us to enjoy as well. So with that, I just got to say, it's like, Hey, no better time than right now to like really look into these different leagues, try to find out something that interests you, be it in any team, like, you know, I'm sure Tyler and I could be super biased of who we want you to root for, but you know, I'm, I'm going to say out there, like find something that really interests you in a team, a club and culture that you like and really dive head first because there's nothing like it. There's nothing else like it. You know, I'm, a, I'm more of a hockey guy when it comes to North American sports. And even though the, like my Pittsburgh Penguins are my pride and joy of my hometown for me, there's nothing like being a Tottenham fan because it's just a little different. It's just a little different. And I just really think that like everyone should be a little bit more open to this. And I think it's coming. I think it's coming because of like of these, this kind of investment that we're seeing out here from these, from these business people in America investing into these European soccer teams. And if you want to start rooting for an underdog like Leeds, you know, we'll be sure before uh, the next or the start of the next premier league season, we'll do a little bit of a coverage on these teams getting promoted. I would love to do more of a team side and learn more about teams like Leeds. Cause I think, you know, even if we have our own allegiances currently, it's going to be hard not to root for a team like that. And we're going to try to find a little bit more stake in the game for us. I know we we're kind of joking around of like, we're really going to get into Syria next season. We're going to find some teams there. Um, you know, FTFC members out there, write into us. Give us a little pitch if you follow Syria. 
let let us know like what teams we should start following more and make our allegiances for other than Cristiano Ronaldo. I no, don't want to let the record show. I am fully willing for you to pitch me my new Italian league fandom, and I will hop on board. I'll buy a kit if I like it. So kits are going to be big for me, guys. Just a heads up. So you know, try and pitch me on that more than anything. But yeah, I am open to allegiances in Italian football. I will start that social campaign once this episode drops. I, I like that. Or any league out there too. I want to start following the French league more as well as the Bundesliga. Basically it'd be all around because we're not just a premier league podcast. We're touching a little bit of everything here. We're just more heavy in the premier league. And I know like COVID times are weird. And with that being said, like there's what talks that there's going to be uh potential fans back in October now. Yeah. That that's pretty exciting to me. Um, it'd be nice not to have crowd noise, but have actual fans there. I think it makes me more sad as an American sports fan to be like, oh, there's just no way that's going to happen here anytime soon. But it makes me happy to know that other parts of the world have you know, handled this situation well enough that they think a couple months down the line they'll have the chance to have fans back at sports. Yep. Uh, and with that, I think it's a good segue to shift gears from talking a little bit about the American ownership and leads being promoted to going into our back end of some of our favorite segments. Let's hop into Around the Net. Nate's been waiting to talk about this one all day. It is the epic post-match interview for Adebayo Akinfenwa from the Wickham Wanderers, who were promoted from League One, the third tier of English football, into the Championship League. Adebayo, come on, sum it up in your own inimitable way. Oh, it's what dreams are made of. Look, I'm more tired now running around there than I was in the whole game, but it's a beautiful feeling. Look. Look, it's a beautiful feeling. All right, but sidebar, I think I'm technically unemployed. So any managers, hit me up on the WhatsApp and get me a job. Come here, come here. All right, it's a beautiful thing. It's what dreams are made of. Coming on to Wembley, scoring, winning. We were the underdogs. So not only Leicester can do it, AFC Wimbledon can do it. It's a beautiful thing. There ain't no better way to leave this club than to leave them promoted. It's beautiful. Tell me about the penalty. What was going on there? All right. I did promise Cal K that I would let him take the pen, but then it was just set up too beautifully, and I'm bigger than Cal, so Cal's unlucky. Sorry, Cal K. I love you, though. That was all it was. And just quickly and finally, the last time I spoke to you up at Accrington, you reminded us of those days down on Hackney and on the marshes yeah, there. Yeah. Is this the ultimate from there? Come on now. Like I said, in Hackney, playing in the dark, and now we're playing on Wembley, the hollow turf. It don't get no better than that, I, I promise you. Anybody can do it. Keep working hard. For all them said I was too big to play football, come on now. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. This dude was fired up. His energy. His energy got me excited. He, he's 38 years old and just going insane because this was the last year of his contract. And again, like th- that's what's crazy. Again, I would say crazy as in like just kind of play out these scenarios differently, like how our sports are here. We already talked a little bit about it. The amount of passion you have to have to be one of these lower tier teams to then think that you have the potential to go on to the Premier League, it, it has to be there. And like the amount of passion and heart that Adibayo had in that moment where he knew that his team was getting promoted to the 
tier right under the Premier League was insanity because he's just like, I, I can play for the championship now. I can go for the championship. That meaning that like again, they have a long season ahead yeah. of them. And what's to say that what's to stop them from just getting immediately regulated after the season again and just finishing the bottom three? We don't that happens. It happens we, we see in the Premier League all the time. Yeah. You get promoted and then you still can't compete and then you get put right back down to where you were. However, I just want this team to get to the I just want them to get to the Premier League because I want to see him take on people like Virgil van Dyke and score a goal. I want him to see him score a goal against Liverpool because I think he, his mind would just melt, especially after the post-game interviews. He was saying things like, hit me up on the WhatsApp and Klopp called him. Well, he was trying to get Jurgen Klopp. He was like, Klopp, hit me on WhatsApp. I need a job. And then like sure enough, like hours later, he got a it was a FaceTime or some kind of video call, but you can find it online that Klopp hit him up and they're having a conversation. Klopp's just cracking up, just congratulating him, and you know, Adebayo was just on cloud nine with that. Yeah, it was really funny because like he's still on the pitch after real like he's holding like the trophies, passing around with all of his other teammates, and he's like. I'm out of a job right now because his contract was for the end of that season. He d- Don't worry for all the suspenseful uh, people who already are in love with him the way that we are. I'm sure you're Googling him while you're listening. They signed him for another one-year extension, so he's going to be a member of the, the Wakambi Wanderers again for this next season. So who's to say? He could be a 40-year-old wonder star in the Premier League if they end up getting promoted. I just love underdog stories, let alone some guy that's been a journeyman his entire life. I mean – he was on the Watford's U18 team and then went all over a lot of teams that never ended up doing much. He had a brief two-year stint at Swansea. Uh, other than that, though, he's just he's been bouncing around forever. So the fact that he you know found a home where he's he's made a legacy for himself just off that video alone. But you know, it's someone that's going to make us want to watch the championship next year. Yeah, I, like again, we already kind of talked a little bit about how we're going to expand our coverage of leagues and just getting into other things, but. I'm going to be following this team more because I just want to see what happens. Maybe it's going to be just like watching more of like the MLS style of play, but I still think it's it's going to be fun. Again, we will try our very best to somehow get Adebayo on the show. I, we'll get him on the show. I am determined. I don't know how it's good. I have already sent an email. We are, we are going to make this happen. We'll, we'll get him here. But I know we just had a lot of fun talking about that, but I do want to shift gears to another uh, topic that is a lot more serious. And again, we end every episode the same way, saying no room for racism because there absolutely isn't. And I do just want to shed some light on what happened with uh, Crystal Palace's player Zaha um, here last week. He uh, suffered racial abuse by waking up to a terrible tweets with hurtful messages as well as images before his match that day i think the worst part was the comments he said like this isn't like a one-off it happens constantly every day to him on social media and that's just horrifying i did want to give a shout out the entire Premier League community came out in support of zaha and i think what i really appreciate about zaha's comments talking about like regardless of your age or who you are there needs to be accountability for your comments posted on the line you know in fact the person that wrote these was a 12-year-old, and he was actually arrested. We, we live in a very interesting time. And again, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again at the end of the episode. Uh, we stand with Zaha, and again, there's no room for racism. With that, we're going to shift the gears to something that is very surprising, interesting. I don't really know what to make of it because I don't really know what the whole plan is behind this, but AC Milan making a partnership with Rock Nation. 
yeah, this is this is very strange, but uh, pretty exciting. I, you know, I love anything Jay Z does, so I'm going to be fully on board. And what what exactly is Rock Nation for those out there? So that don't? it's Jay Z's management company. You know, Rock Nation Sports. He has a lot of different brands. He represents a lot of people through this management company, but he does have a sports avenue. Um, he actually had to give up his stake in the Brooklyn Nets in order to start representing NBA players with this, uh, essentially because it was a conflict of interest. Like he's put a huge push into Rock Nation Sports. They've started representing a lot of big athletes, um, but they've decided to have a partnership after uh, a charity event that both AC Milan and Rock Nation hosted in Italy. And all the proceeds went to essentially essential workers uh, and medical professionals in the area, you know, for all the hard work they were doing during COVID. You know, shortly after that event, they announced this partnership and they've been very vague on what exactly it entails, but it sounds like it's going to be something about, you know, content creation, branding, and I think more opportunities for entertainment, potentially concerts in the future. Now, I know Jay-Z has been more involved with the NFL recently. Is this the Rock Nation stuff too, or is this just, was that him being separately? Because- I believe, so it actually was a partnership with Rock Nation. It was a multi-year partnership with the NFL to essentially enhance their live game experiences while also amplifying their social justice efforts. The reason why I bring that up is we were talking heavily about the NFL and American entrepreneurship involvement in these leagues. Here's another thing. Jay-Z, Rock Nation, Syria, AC Milan. Don't know exactly what's going to come of it, but it's it's interesting how all of these things are starting to intertwine together. Hear me out. Jay-Z, Zlatan Ibrahimovic mixtape. Who says no? I don't say no, but I definitely think that is immensely possible. <laughs> With it's the not ego, impossible. You're telling me there's a chance. There is definitely a chance. With the ego that Ibrahimovic has, he is built for Jay-Z's label. Oh, man, I would I would kill to see somehow Zlatan gets involved. <laughs> there's no way he has a voice to carry it, though. But Just ad-libs. Yeah. Yeah, sign me up. Well, we'll see what ends up coming of this, but I'm, I'm hoping for good things. I think I just love creative, innovative ideas, and this is definitely out there. So, you know, I'll be keeping an eye out for it for sure. Uh, an opportunity to blend hip hop and soccer, like count me on. Moving on to my favorite segment that Nate doesn't support, or at least judges slightly. <laughs> Silent judgment. <laughs> uh, bet of the week. I'm going a little different here. I'm not going to give a specific game this week. Uh, what I wanted to give a bet on, I just think this is a good risk-reward opportunity. Betting futures for the 2021 Premier League title winner. I think the best bang for your buck on here is Manchester United. They are 14 to 1 odds. So let's say you put $10 down, just you know, a, a Hail Mary for Man U to win it all. Uh, that $10 bet would pay you $140. Quite a thing to just throw out to the universe. Manchester United winning the Premier League next year. Oh, I... It hurts me to say it, but I mean, you know, Liverpool's looked shaky since Project Restart. Man City's been dominant, and I think obviously they're the most likely to win the league. But Manchester United has all the pieces in place to really, you know, if when they're high, I don't think anyone can stop that team. Okay, so for the people that don't really understand this, like me, so you're saying you put ten dollars down, you walk away with one hundred and forty, right? Provided that Manchester United wins the league. Yep. So you're saying this is probably the safest bet to make? No, it, Manchester, Manchester City is the safest bet, but also they are plus 100. It means one-to-one odds. So you put $10 down, they win the league, you win $10. Oh, okay. So I see like... A, in, I consider betting a risk-reward, right? I, I don't like the risk of putting $10 down to win $10 is worth it to wait all year for Manchester City to win. Like, obviously, they're far away from their favorites. But I think Manchester United has better than 14-to-one odds of winning it all. So I think that's the better payout versus the risk. 
Okay, so hear me out. If I put $10 down on Burnley, what am I walking away with? Uh, $7,500. They are <laughs> 75000 to win it all. I'm sorry, Burnley fans. I don't think that's going to happen. If you are a Burnley fan, though, do it. Just throw $10 down. You don't know what's going to happen. Imagine how excited you were to just have all that money and a Burnley title. So I'm not going <laughs> to do it. Yeah, Um I guess you heard it here first. Tyler saying that Manchester United is going to win Premier League. Just not happy with it. I'm. Just, I'm I don't think they. I'm not saying they will. I'm just thinking it's the best bet if you're trying to pick a future winner. Okay, but I. I think by, by even saying that though, I'm going to hold you a little accountable here. I think you are saying that That's on fair. some level, okay. Manchester United is going to walk away winning the Premier League. I'm be, not saying I'll be sad about it, but you know, at least I'll be right. Okay, uh, and with that, moving on to. I think everyone's favorite topic and our last topic, the pub of the week. Pub of the week. And we got a great pub of the week submission from a FTFC member, uh, Bundesliga Borelli. Uh, he wants to shout out Cleo's pub uh, that's located at 1935 West Chicago Avenue. It's located in the Ukrainian village uh, neighborhood within Chicago. Um, according to their website, they claim to be the number one location for international soccer in Chicago. And I just got to read this little take from their about section. I think it's hilarious. Cleo's is the place to be no matter what is happening in your life. Want to cheer up your favorite sports team? Head to Cleo's. You have a breakup? Head to Cleo's. Oh, no. Drink with coworkers, head to Cleo's. Just because you want to drink, head to Cleo's. Um, they're also the home bar for the Chicago Bayern Munich supporters. Uh, speaking personally, I've been there a few times, and it's a good place to be no matter what team that you support. You can really feel comfortable there. Yeah, I know we've got a couple of listeners. Thanks to Bundesliga Borelli that are a part of that Chicago Bayern club. So, you know, congrats on another title. I'm sure you'll win eight more in a row. 16, Pete. <laughs> well, I think with that, Nate, I'll let you take it from here. Uh, same and we always have. Yep, absolutely. And with that, uh, we'll leave you with this. There is no room for racism. <laughs> <laughs>